what a wonderful blessing they have been to the United Pentecostal Church and are still and still is. Shall we stand together as Brother Urshan comes and ministers the word of the Lord to us tonight? Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. I come to this uh, open tonight with a little bit of concern. In fact, deep concern. As one of my dearest friends is quite ill, Brother G.A. Mangan. They found cancer in Brother Mangan yesterday. And the family is very disturbed. And of course, when Brother Anthony called me to tell me about it, I said, oh no. We were just with them in the, uh, for, because of the times, and it was a great meeting. And who was leading the parade and shouting the most? G.A. Maggot. I thought to myself, when they told me about it, he'll be rejoicing in spite of it. And so his son said, would you like to talk to him? I said, I certainly would. And this is the way he a- answered me. How you doing, buddy? We need you for a long time. God bless you. I said, we need you for a long time. And he laughed. You know, that's the way to take any kind of disease or sickness. Just put it in the hands of God and rejoice in spite of it. Would you do me a great favor and stand and pray for Brother Mangan tonight? I said that we will be praying tomorrow night for you. That God will touch your body. Our God is a healer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. For the strength of your presence. There's no disease that's too hard for you. There's no sickness that you cannot conquer. You're a conquering Lord. You're a victorious king. Smite that disease in Brother Mangan. Let the power of the Holy Ghost surge through his body and destroy all the effects of disease. You're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. And we trust in your great name that you bring blessing right now to the Mangan household. Touch Brother Mangan wherever he is right now. Let virtue from your hand go through that body. You're the creator of that body, and you can heal that body. And we trust in your mighty name. We trust in your mighty name. We trust in your mighty name that you can bring it to pass. We believe you will, and we entrust him into your tender care. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm delighted to be in SALT conference. I appreciate the ministry of Brother Harrington. I tell you, when I hear these men that are younger and hear the zeal that they have about truth, it comforts my heart. Uh, years ago, my dad made some recordings, and these recordings were made in the early 30s. And on these recordings, he put some of his favorite hymns, hymns that he had some of the hymns that he had composed, and then he preached his favorite message, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. 
And he wanted that to be left as a record, that if nobody else preached it, that it would continue as a record and his voice would continue proclaiming the truth. After I got a call to the ministry, he said, I don't need any records anymore. My son's going to carry on. But there's many others that are carrying on. And uh, when you look at the when you look at the growth of the oneness movement, we're scaring the daylights out of the Trinitarians. They really they're scared. They expressed that they're afraid. They said these folks are going to take over. Well, they should have read the Bible a long time ago. They would have known that, and they wouldn't have to worry about it now. If they're afraid, why don't they just join up? That's the thing to do. Brother Harrington, you talking about revelation. There's going to come a revelation of the one true God in His name that is going to amaze the world. It's going to really revolutionize Christianity, so-called. Because we're living in a time when the church world is failing. Failing terribly. In fact, I talked to a Methodist minister the other day. He said, what do we have to do to restore Methodism? I said, get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we'll baptize you in Jesus' name. And you might get a little restoration. But they're worried and they're losing people. They told us, the Methodist bishop told me, they lost three million people in the last two years. Three million Methodists. Don't go to church in the Methodist church anymore. I'm not being sarcastic, nor am I being uh, caustic, nor bragging. We're not losing, we're gaining. I'm not standing here bragging tonight. I'm telling you what the Lord's doing. He is bringing souls into the kingdom. And many are receiving the truth. More than I ever dreamed would happen in my lifetime. We're seeing an international revival where hundreds and thousands of souls are being saved. And just the other day, they made a little bit of a record, uh, uh, checked a little record of the uh, growth of the United Pentecostal Church. Every day, every day, 40,000 people get the Holy Ghost and are baptized in Jesus' name worldwide. I think that's wonderful. And I want to bring you a message tonight that uh, our pioneers loved. By that, the theme of the message is what they loved. And I'm going to read to you from the book of Second, the second chapter of Philippians. I want to tell Brother Craft that this looks a whole lot different than that empty lot we walked on the first time we came. It's amazing what a ground can bring forth, isn't it? But somebody's put some hard work into it. Somebody's put a lot of faith and hope in it. And the result is what we're enjoying here tonight. And I'm grateful to God for what the Lord has done for Brother Kraft in his pastoral ministry and then also for the school under Brother Clark. I think there's the best days are ahead of you. The best days. And I believe that you're going to see a revival that you never dreamed would happen here in this city. 
many people are going to come to God. And I know that he's able to do that for us. I'm reading to you from the uh, second chapter of the book of Philippians. And let me read a portion of scripture that is very well known to you. It's a message that our brethren in their pioneers days were cast out because they believed in it. You have to understand some of the pressure they took. They took a lot of pressure for taking the stand they took. I'm reading from the fifth verse and I'm reading down through the eleventh. Let this mind be in you. Would you stand while we read the word of the Lord, please? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And let me point out to you something that I think uh, sometimes we overlook. Every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you understand why I say we're going to see a great outpouring of truth in the last days? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. They're going to do it, friend. I wish I could live long enough to see it. Perhaps I can. But I want to see it. But I know it's going to take place. Our brethren were persecuted terribly for this. Let me tell you a little bit about it because as a boy I grew up amongst Pentecostal pioneers. I heard some of their uh, victories expressed by some of them through joy. I also heard some of the terrible things that were said against them because they took this stand for the truth. Our generation doesn't know stand that our brethren took for the truth and how they were pilloried and how they were persecuted because they took the stand. My dad said he preached to 3,000 people in California, Los Angeles, on one night and then came out with a revelation of the name of the Lord the next night and he found himself the next day in a little Mexican church house preaching to 40 people. A lady jumped up when he preached about Jesus Christ being God Almighty. And she, she said, Andrew Erson, the Lord will strike you dead for preaching that kind of a message. She walked out of the church that night and a car struck her as she stepped off, off the curb and killed her. She had called, called judgment upon him, but it happened to her. Don't fight the truth, my friend. 
Don't ever fight the truth. You're a loser when you fight it. You'll never gain a victory if you fight the truth. You're fighting a battle you cannot win. And I'm glad for the truth. I'm glad I'm on the side of the truth. I'm glad the Lord gave me an understanding about what the truth really is. And I love it with all my heart. I stand before you to tell you that from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, I'm an apostolic Pentecostal. I believe in it. I believe in it. There's no man that will ever sway me from it. You say, why are you so certain? Because truth has been ingrained in my spirit and soul. And nobody can steal it from me. I love it with all my heart. I love that name, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk to you a little bit about the power of the name or of a name. And sometimes uh, we don't realize what names reflect. Uh, now, when you uh, uh, talk about this world, there are names that immediately come uh, to our attention. Let me just name a few that you would recognize. Uh, you would recognize the name George Washington. History has taught us that he was an honest man. They called him Honest George. A few months ago, somebody tried to tell the world that uh, he didn't come and tell his family about the fact that he cut down the cherry tree. They said that was all a made-up story. But they came back quickly, some who had known the historical evidence, and rebutted them very strongly and said, you're trying to take away from his name. Make him a little lower by saying he wasn't honest. He was known as Honest George. When you name Abraham Lincoln, there might be a lot of things that you don't know about him because the best things are said about the fact that he was the man that obliterated slavery. And then, if you will read his history, he failed what he tried to accomplish 27 times and still became the President of the United States. Well, we know him as the man that destroyed the power of slavery, and we know him to be the President of the United States, but many of you don't know about his failures. Sometimes history covers that which would have caused a mark on his name, but the man stands today as a man who stood strong against a very uh, strong tide of people and did what he thought was the right thing to do. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, now I remember him because it was right after the days of the Depression that this man became the President of the United States. And he brought into era the NRA. And he brought back a touch of prosperity to our nation after we had gone through the Depression. If you lived in those times and lived through the Depression, you realize why people love Franklin Delano Roosevelt because he brought them out of the depths of despair in economy and brought them to a high way of understanding a little bit of blessing. So these names mean much to us. Louis Pasteur, I, I don't know that when you drink milk you realize this was the man that pasteurized milk, and it used to be a poison. And then he brought in pasteurization, and the man's name is recognized 
for the cleansing of milk that was filled with poison. It's amazing. And uh, someone said, what else did he do? I don't know. He pasteurized milk. And then uh, you will notice that uh, if you talk about Thomas Edison, you could lift your eyes here and thank God for the light. Thomas Edison was the man that brought electricity into existence by understanding the powers of the heavens and brought it down to the light that beams on us tonight. Alexander Bell. I don't know whether to bless him or not. When I hear some folks on the phone, I think maybe we ought to bring him back and shoot him. Uh, The telephone is a great medium, but some folks use it for the worst things. But these names are names that immediately bring uh, understanding to you because you know of what they represent. And then when you uh, look at these names, these are names of men who have made a mark in the world. I want to bring to your attention the way the Lord uh, used names so you can understand a little bit why uh, suddenly in the uh, area of our times when things begin to come to pass that uh, the matter of the name, the name, becomes of such consequence to us. I'm reading to you from the 17th chapter of the book of Genesis. And as I read, I'd like for you to notice, I'd like for you to notice what I'm reading. I'm reading from the, uh, uh, the 17th chapter. And I am reading at the, uh, I know where it is. I'm beginning to read at the third verse of the 17th chapter. And I want you to notice it very carefully how the Lord takes this name and puts a new reflection on it. Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. The Lord is telling this to Abraham and then goes further to say, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. Now let me point out something to you that's important to what I'm telling you. Abraham actually in the Jewish lettering is Abraham. Remember that. It's not Abraham. That's English. In the Jewish setting, his name is Abraham. God gave him the last portion of his creative name. When you look at this, you have to understand God's beautiful plan in relation to man. He gives him one half of his creative name. And after he gave him one half of his creative name, this is what he tells him. I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And he also tells him, I will make thee exceeding fruitful, I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. 
100 years old, his wife 90 years old and barren. And the Lord puts a half of his creative name on Abram and he becomes Abraham. When God's name is placed on your life or in your life, great things happen. Great miracles take place. When God's name is associated with your life, it's a new day. Abram, a hundred years old, his wife, 90 years of age, that's like having one foot in the grave and one foot on the earth, and he tells them, I'm going to make you fruitful, and the father of many nations. One thing that it brings to our attention that we should never forget, there's nothing impossible with God. And when he begins to work, everybody takes a back step who have doubts in their heart because this God can do great things. By taking a half of his name and putting him, putting it in Abram's name to make him Abraham, he made him the father of many nations. And when they told Sarah that she was going to have a child, she laughed. She laughed. Abraham laughed too. I don't know if you knew they both laughed. But when it was all over with, they had a baby boy named Isaac at a hundred years and ninety years of age. Don't give up, Brother Kraft. Stay with it. Praise God. I want you to know that when God takes over a man's life and puts his name in it or his name on it, great, powerful things take place. Let me point out to you something else that is found in the 32nd chapter of the book of Genesis. And this has to do with the man that was named Jacob. The Bible tells us that uh, he wrestled with apparently an angel all night. And the angel said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I'll not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. I'm going to give you the other half of my creative name. I gave it to your grandfather. But I'm going to give you the other part. I gave him the him, now I'm giving you the El. So they had the Elohim in the seed of Abraham and Jacob. And when you have the name of Almighty God in the seed of what you represent, you're going to see miraculous things take place. Don't minimize the miraculous of God. I want you to know apostolic people believe in miracles. I want you to know the Lord God can heal Brother Harrington. He healed Brother Carney not long ago, did he not? Of a broken arm. Someone says, all that's impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. When you and I begin to understand the grandeur of His power, the greatness of His person, and believe that He can do mighty things, it's going to happen. I'm going to prophesy tonight, Brother Kraft. This is going to be a large church of full of people, and you're going to have to put an addition on it. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. That the Lord God's name is the correct name. And they're going to honor it. And you're going to see the greatest apostolic revival you ever saw before the Lord comes. 
Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There goes Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three separate persons in the Trinity. Bye-bye. You have to look at what God can do. I'm going to take your name, Jacob, and I'm going to make it Israel. Well, what are you doing that for? Then you'll have power with men. Then I will give you prevailing, persevering power by putting my name on you. Oh man, this excites me tonight. Just a little bit of his name, just a half of his name will do miracles. I'm going to tell you about a name that's got it all involved up in it. But I want you to notice something else about the name of God. If you go into the uh, book of Genesis, you'll find that he's known as Jehovah God. And I want you to notice that that Jehovah God has compound names. And those compound names stand for all of God's, all of God's great ability to do things for people. Not only does it stand for that, but it also stands for his attributes. God has attributes that are absolutely magnificent. And when you read in the book of Genesis, you'll notice that the, the word Lord is used numerous times. And actually, it's referring to Jehovah. He was known as Jehovah. And when you notice that, you'll notice he was Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And then he was known as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. He's a healer. Then he was known as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. Then he was known as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. He goes with you in the warfare against hell and Satan. And he was known as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, or the Lord send peace. Then he was known as Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd. Then he was known as Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. The name of Jehovah occurs in a prophecy concerning the future restoration and conversion of Israel. Then he's known as Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is always present. That's in the name of Jehovah. Oh man, I tell you what. When you and I begin to understand the great attributes that are bound up in God, we shouldn't be afraid of anything. We shouldn't have fear in our lives, nor should we be afraid of diseases that come to pass. He's a healer. It tells us he's a healer. And then when you read about that name and understand how Jacob was turned from a conniving schemer into a man that prevails with man and with a prince unto God, you understand what the glory of the name can do. Let me read to you from Matthew, uh, the uh, 15th chapter and the 30th and 31st verse. If you have your Bibles, go there with me. I want you to notice something that took place in the days of uh, Jesus when he was on this earth. In the 15th chapter of Matthew, 
It tells us about some of the great things that took place in his ministry and in his life. And uh, notice what it tells us in this chapter about the Lord. And I think it's great for us to understand. It tells us in this chapter in Matthew that he healed all kinds of diseases. And uh, those diseases that were healed were powerful when it came to the practice of his name. And it tells us in this very special portion of Scripture that uh, great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. They just sort of threw them at him, and he healed them. They threw these people with these maladies at his feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the maimed made whole, the lame to walk, the whole, the maimed made whole, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified Jehovah. They were Jews. They glorified Jehovah. What did they see? Miracle after miracle after miracle. I don't know if you were there on the uh, night in Milwaukee when the lady got healed who jumped out of her wheelchair one of the young men come up to me and said, My grandmother is walking. And I thought, well, that's good. I almost said, mine walks too. But he said, no, no, you don't understand me. He said, my grandmother was in a wheelchair 20 years. And we had a great praise fill the atmosphere. Do you remember that praise? It just swelled. It came across that audience. Uh, the preacher couldn't preach because the people praised God with such depth of feeling. And uh, Brother Moody was to preach that night. I was to in introduce him. And I turned to him. I said, there's a praise in this place. He said, let it go. Let it go. Well, out of that audience came this uh, lady who said, uh, or this young man that said to me, my grandmother's healed. And I said, well, what do you mean? said, see her standing over there? She was in a wheelchair 20 years, and God healed her. And she was standing over there. I said, bring her up here. She came up on the platform, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, stay in the church. Stay in the church. Stay in the church. I didn't quite understand what she was saying, so I said there later, I said, what did you mean, stay in the church? She said, if you'll stay in the church, you'll reap the miracles of the mighty God. He'll do things for you that you never dream. Stay in the church. Stay in the church and watch the hand of God move upon your life. Don't get out of the church. There's nothing out there anyhow. You're not going to find anything out there that will bless you like you find in here. There's a power in the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place that can heal your body, take away your sins, wash you whiter than the snow, and fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, you need to praise Him for it. He's able to do mighty things. And you and I can enjoy that beautiful presence. The multitudes, the multitudes wondered when they saw 
these miraculous things. Well, after she got through, another young man tugged up my coattail and said, when that lady got healed, my eyes got healed. And he's holding in his hands glasses and uh, these little round things, what do they call them, that you put in your eyes so you don't have to wear glasses? Contacts. He had thick glasses and contacts. He said, I had both the thick glasses, the thick glasses and the contacts. And he said, God healed me. Here I am in apostolic. We preach about it all the time, but the Lord healing. And uh, I looked at him a little bit and thought, he's just talking. You know, a lot of faith in me. I thought he's just talking. So I handed him the smallest printed Bible I had. He said, God healed me, and I can read anything now. I handed him my little Bible with little lettering that I had to have glasses to read. I said, read this if you're healed. He read the whole chapter. And I looked at him and said, with all of the authority of my apostolic understanding, Thou art healed. God is a healer. I want you to know... Don't ever give up on His power to do exceeding abundantly above all. You can ask or think, never give up on it. And don't get so staid and so bright in your mind that you think you can do away with the healing virtue of God. You can't do away with anything that pertains to Him. He will always be the same. He will always perform beyond our expectation. If you and I can understand that. We ought to come in this church building tonight on SALT conference, praising God, worshiping Him, thanking Him for what He's done for us. I was ill with tuberculosis. They said I'd die in six months. That was when I was 19. Now I'm above 50. Praise God. I want you to know that was a long, long time ago. And if you'd like to know how long ago it was, it was 60 years ago. I want you to know He's a healer. I want you to know He can put strength in your body. I want you to know He can keep you. And He can help you. And He can strengthen you every day of your life. If you will trust Him and give Him the glory that's due unto His name. Give Him some glory tonight. Give Him some glory tonight. Give Him praise for what He's done for you. It'd be interesting to just take the people across this audience, file them across here, and ask them how they found the Lord, what He's done for them. You'd get the shock of your life, and it would raise your faith in God if you knew where some people have come from. And if you knew how God transformed them, how He changed their lives, how that name, that precious name, that precious name has brought them from the depths of despair into the highways of holiness. Listen, when he had accomplished all that in the 15th chapter, the healing of the lame, the blind, the dumb, the maimed, and many others that were cast at his feet, when that all was done, read your next chapter in Matthew. This is what took place. The disciples were standing in the presence of Jesus after all those healings, he asked the question, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
He wasn't looking for egocentric buildup. He was wondering if they caught what was happening. What are they saying about me? Well, they did what you and I would do. Some say you're Jeremiah. Uh, some say uh, you're uh, one of the prophets. And then, but he made it very personal when he said to Simon Peter, but whom do you say that I am? What you believe about Jesus is important to you. It's of utmost importance to you. Brother Harrington was talking about revelation. I want you to know, my friend, we need a brand new, fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Of who He is. I'm standing here tonight and I'm talking to some younger preachers and some other preachers. I hope to God you never get caught up in this traditional hang-up that makes people think that some things you're preaching today will die tomorrow. This apostolic gospel is so powerful and so real, it's not going to die tomorrow. It's going to get better if we will understand what we're talking about. We don't really understand what we're talking about. Oh, you say the name Jesus so easily. Oh, friend, you ought to say it with zeal. Jesus, Jehovah Savior, the Jehovah of all those attributes came in the form of a babe. And don't let somebody come along and say to you that Mary had nothing to do with his being born. There's a new doctrine coming in amongst us. And some are picking it up and saying that Mary had nothing to do with his birth. My friend, he was born of a woman. If he was born of a woman, he spent nine months in the womb of that woman and was nourished by that woman. And if he was not nourished by that woman, he would not have lived. Mary had something to do with it. But she was a virgin. There was no man that touched Mary before that birth. If a man had touched her, he would not have been pure and undefiled. But he did get nourishment from the woman. She was a virgin. When he came forth, he was clean as the brilliant sun. As beautiful as anything God had put in this earth. The man Christ Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. And that name Jesus actually means Jehovah has become our Savior. That's why Jesus wanted to know, what are men saying about me? What do they think I am? Who do they think I am? And when I tell you, when, when is Elizabeth first met Mary, something strange happened. She said to her, she gave a salutation, and when she gave a salutation to Elizabeth, the babe in Elizabeth's womb leaped. So John the Baptist met Jesus before they were even in this earth. But that babe leaped in her womb, and because she said to uh, Mary, how is it? That the Lord God has put His hand upon you. She recognized it. I'm here to tell you that He was as human as you and I are human. 
And don't let anybody tell you in their strange attachment to doctrines that didn't come from God, but came from man, that he was not human like you and I. He had the same kind of flesh. It was no different than the flesh you and I had. And the fact that he had the same kind of flesh and was victorious tells the whole world, you can have a power with God that can give you victory over the powers of sin. The Jesus I serve is victorious. The God I serve can give you the victory. The Lord you and I serve can give you a song in your heart, give you a smile on your face, give you clean words out of your lips. This is not a so-so salvation. This is a heaven-sent salvation. It was brought to earth through Jesus Christ. And when he said, Whom do men say that I am? He was thrilled when Peter said, Thou art the Christ. And when he said it, he said, Thou art the anointed one that we were to look for. And Jesus said in a commendation, He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is from heaven. Now let me say something to you good people who are Jesus' name apostolics. And I don't say this in, in, in a sense of downing you. We still have a long way to go to understand totally who he is. I wonder sometimes when I see uh, folks sing about Jesus, uh, I, I see they sometimes sing so glibly, they're not even thinking about what they're singing. They just sing out of a songbook sometimes, and they sing by memory, but they don't feel when you offer that name in song, you're offering the greatest name in heaven and in earth. And it has all the compound names of Jehovah and much more. Jesus is the plan, the individual persona of God in the earth. God walked on the earth in the body of Jesus Christ. And while he walked on this earth, he did all kinds of miracles. Everything he wanted to heal was healed. And he did drive some people out of the temple. He got very indignant at them and drove them out of the temple. And they, because they were not honoring God in the temple. Don't come in the church with that easygoing something. Don't come in the church out of curiosity. Don't come to church just to gather with the people. Come to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. And honor Him with all your heart. And let the glory of God come down upon your heart. You don't have to sit here in a state of depression. Jesus will take the depression out of your spirit. You don't have to sit here in doubts. He is the Lord God. He is the creator of everything. There was nothing made that was made, but it was made by Him. What I'm trying to say to you, all of us need a new revelation of who Jesus is and not slip from it. Oh, 
Let me tell you about some of these pioneers. My dad loved that name, Brother Kraft. You'd, you'd hear him. We, got, we went out of the house in Jesus' name. We came back in the house in Jesus' name. When we came to the door, he'd say, In Jesus' name, thank you for this house. When we got in the car, he said, In Jesus' name, thank you for the car. It was Jesus' name everything. He did that all the time. And one time I said, at coming into the house, in Jesus' name. He said, no, no, no. You're just saying that out of a surly countenance, and you don't mean it. You say it, in Jesus' name. And I had to stand there and say, in Jesus' name. I wouldn't have gotten the house that night. Jesus was everything. I would hear him use these words, all that you do in word or deed, do it all. In the name of Jesus. When he got in the car, he said, Oh, in Jesus' name. And when he got, when a woman was driving it, he said it twice. <laughs> Everything was in Jesus' name. I want you to know, my friend, there was a reverence about that name that I can't describe with my tongue. He had got the revelation of the one God in Christ in Russia. And while he was there and got that revelation, he began to baptize in the name of Jesus. And when he began to baptize in the name of Jesus, uh, he got a revelation. He said he went to bed the night before he got the revelation. All night long, through his dreams and through his sleep, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now I hear preachers preach about the name of Jesus, but I hear them preach without revelation. I heard a man say one night to a man that was preaching beautifully about the name of the Lord. He turned to him and said, you have to preach on that all the time? He said, best subject I ever had. You can preach an awful lot of things, friend, but when you preach Jesus, you're preaching the, the, the very star of every plan that God has ever made in this earth. You're preaching the very center of the gospel. You can preach about yourself, and it'll never get into the parts of people, but when you preach about Him, it'll reach way down in the soul of man. And if you have an anointed zeal in your voice, and you declare it, you'll be surprised what it does to mankind. It turns them upside down and brings realization to who He really is. And it's so beautiful. Let me tell you what the angel said to Mary. Thou shalt call His name Jesus. Call Him Jesus. That takes in all of what Jehovah has. That takes in all of what El Shaddai has. That takes in all of what Elohim had. That takes in everything that God has and all things that God has for us. Call Him Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's a miracle. He's the Son of Man. He hungered and thirsted. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's Savior, the Redeemer. He's the Word. 
become flesh. The Lamb of God. Our dear brother was emphasizing that. The Lamb of God. Sacrifice for man's sin. The mediator between God and man. The Lord of righteousness. The Lord of all. The Lord of glory. King of kings. Lord of lords. Prophet. Priest. King, Alpha and Omega, Judge, Shepherd, Jehovah, Savior, Creator. Oh, my friend, He's everything. He's also the firstborn of every creature. He's the Lord of heaven. He's the image of God, the blessed of God, the head of the church, the light of the world, the true light, the foundation of the church, the way, the truth, the life, Jehovah, and possessed of the fullness of God. If you can get hold of who He is, and I have seen these precious pioneers, when they got the revelation of this thing, they lost everything and gave up everything for His name, just for His name. They lost everything and gave up everything. My dad, when he got the revelation, came back to the States. He did not come forth and declare that name like he should have. And one of the reasons why he didn't was because when he got to America, the Assemblies of God, of which he had been a part prior to going overseas and through Russia, they met him at the uh, after he came on the boat from a Russian, they said to him, there's a terrible, terrible delusion has come into the Pentecostal movement. What's the delusion? And they said, they think Jesus is God. And my dad had got a revelation of that. And when they said it, it sort of shook him a little bit. Because he's going to tell them all about it. But they sort of, when they said it, he said it sort of got to me that if I began telling him what God had showed me, I might cause a lot of problems in the assembly of God, assemblies of God. So he said, I held back. I went through the country preaching, and I got to Los Angeles. When I got to Los Angeles, preaching before that great crowd that I told you about, 3,000 people, back in Indianapolis, G.T. Haywood, one of our black pioneers, was praying. And the Lord spoke to his heart. Go and hear Brother Urshan preach. Now, this, this is something. I hear folks saying, God talked to me and God told me. I asked him, but he told them, and usually it was something for their personal enrichment. So I don't hardly pay too much attention to it when they're talking about something they're going to get. You know, some, some big will or something. Brother Haywood was praying, and the Lord said, Go hear Brother Urshan preach. Indianapolis is some 2,000 miles away from Los Angeles. He took a train, went out, sat in the audience, and listened to Andrew Urshan preach. When he got through, he came up to me and he said, No man preaches about Jesus like you did that doesn't have a revelation of him. Why didn't you tell us all you had a revelation? And my dad looked at him and said, I didn't want to cause contention in the organization. And this is what Bishop Haywood said to him. He said, Brother Urshan, 
Moses was told to, to speak to the rock, and he struck it. When he struck it, he lost his inheritance in Canaan land. He said, you better preach the Jesus you know about. He said, I preached about him that night with all my soul and heart. He said, many people received the Holy Ghost, and many walked out on me. But here I am standing here tonight. I'm watching them walk out of other churches because they have no understanding of who Jesus really is. And when you come to our our services, we ought to be saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. We ought to be talking about Him, singing about Him, praying with His name, laying hands on people in the name of Jesus. There's no one like Him No one like Him. No one that can do things for you like He can do for you. You don't need another message. I preached in a revival one night uh, and people were coming, hundreds were coming to the meeting. I preached for six nights and nobody got the Holy Ghost. And I was talking to my dad on the phone. I said, Dad, I'm preaching and nobody's coming to God. And he said, the crowds are coming. I said, yes. It amazes me that they don't react. He said, well, I'll tell you what to do, son. Preach Jesus for three nights. I said, what should I preach about him? Anything you know. Preach about everything you know about him. He said, preach about what he can do. Preach about his name. Preach about his power. Preach about the grace of God. Preach about his death and, and Calvary. Preach about his resurrection. I preached for three nights on Jesus, and the last night, 26 people got the Holy Ghost. We had a break-in on that revival. It never stopped and built a new church right there. Who'd you preach about? I didn't preach about Brother Clark. I didn't preach about Brother Kraft. I didn't preach about Brother Travis. I didn't preach about myself. I preached Him. Who is the head of all? Who is the head of everything? Who has all power in heaven and earth? Who loves us with an everlasting love? Oh, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for Jesus. What a name. Uh, read for me from uh, Psalm, or from Isaiah 12, Brother uh, Clark. Now, I want you to notice something. If you have your Bibles, there is a word for salvation. The word for salvation is Yeshua. Yeshua. I walked into a, a Jewish uh, classroom one day, and on the wall, I noticed Isaiah 12, and I kept seeing Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. And I looked at thing at that and I said to that Jewish rabbi, I said, Yeshua, what does that mean? He said, salvation. I said, sir, I think it means something else. He said, I'm not going to tell you what it really means. I said, why won't you tell me what it really means? He said, you tell my friends. I said, no, I won't tell your friends, I'll tell my friends. If you tell me what it really means. So he whispered in my ear, Yeshua in English is Jesus. And he said, now don't you say I told you so. I said, I will when I get far away from you. I just tell everybody that you said it was Jesus. Well, Yeshua is Jesus. 
That's what it means. Now, I want you to read it like that, Brother Clark. When it comes to where it says salvation, because salvation is Yeshua, I want you to say Jesus instead of salvation. Read it for me, will you? Listen. 12.1. 12.1. And in that day. And in that day. Thou shalt say. Thou shalt say. O Lord. O Lord. I will praise, praise thee. thee. Though thou wast angry, angry with, with me, me, thine anger, anger is turned, turned away. away. Thou hast thou comfortest me. Yes. Behold, behold, God, God is is who? My Jesus. Mercy. That's what it says. Yes. That is exactly what it says. Glory. Behold, God is my Yeshua, my Jesus. Read on. For the Lord Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah is my strength, strength and, and my, my song, song, and He also so is, is become my, my Jesus. Jesus. Glory. That's what it says. Hallelujah. That is exactly what it says. Salvation is Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus. Ask any Jew. Ask anybody what Yeshua means, and they'll tell you Jesus. Salvation is Yeshua. Jesus became Jehovah is our salvation. Read on. Therefore, therefore, with joy, with joy, shall you draw, draw water, water out, out of, of the, the wells, wells of Jesus. Jesus. Oh, man, I thought you'd be shouting by this time. I want you to know He's everything. Read on. Read on. And in that day. And in that day. Shall you say. Shall you say. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Call upon, call his, upon name. his name. Declare His doings. Declare His doings. Among the people. Among the people. Make mention. Make mention. That His name is exalted. That His name is exalted. <laughs> Sing, sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. For he had done excellent things. Excellent things. This is known in, in all, all the earth. The earth. Cry out. Cry out. Shout. Shout. Thou in heaven is Zion. Yes. For great, great is the, the Holy, Holy One, One of, of Israel, Israel in, in the, the midst of thee. Oh, man. Oh, man. Jehovah is my Jesus. The Lord God is my salvation, my Jesus. He's everything, my friend. He never was a second person in some idealistic trinity that's been made up by man. He was always the first and the last. He was always Alpha and Omega. He was always God. Never will be anything else but Almighty God. He's Jesus. Oh, yes, He's Jesus. Oh, that's right. Praise Him. The Lord God is my Jesus. G.T. Haywood told my dad that night, he said, Moses lost his inheritance in Canaan land. And if you don't tell these folks what you know about Jesus, all about it, you lose your inheritance in Canaan land. 
And Dad took the rebuke and went back and preached Jesus. Oh, friend. And look at what's happened. Those men stood up for the truth in their day. And look what's happening to us now. But I've got fears. I've got fears. Some young men and some others want the glory of the world. You don't need it. You need the glory of Jesus. That's what we need. The glory of Jesus. By magnifying Him and worshiping Him, He'll come down upon us. Raise your hands and give a shout unto Jesus. Jesus! Jesus! Oh, wonderful Jesus. Beautiful Lord. We had something happen the other day. Let me say a few more things. There's something remarkably beautiful. You don't understand what God can do for you or for us. We really don't. We haven't grasped at it yet. We have gone our little way and we're happy about little things happening. Uh, And I'm not going to talk about that because I might get on somebody's toes real bad. We want to talk about material things. Look at my beautiful house. Look at my new car. I bought a new car and told my dad, said, come see my new car. He said, is Jesus in it? That's the way we got it. That way. Just that way. Is Jesus in it? This is, this is, it sounds so strange to us because we're so earthbound we don't catch the heavenly revelation of it. We don't understand all the greatness that's in the Lord. Uh, I heard you men sing tonight. I thought you sang beautifully. When you sing, sing like He is right by your side and sing unto the Lord and the glory of the Lord will come upon you. Oh, I, I want you to read those again, brother. Uh, brother Clark, read, read about who Jehovah is. This, this get, I read that and get all, all excited. I tore a page in my Bible I got so excited the other night. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just I ripped the page, but it's fixed. Read what it says. And in that day, yes. thou shalt say, O Lord, O Lord, I will praise thee. I'll praise you. Though thou wast angry with me, though you were angry with me, thine anger is turned, turned away, and thou, thou comfortest me. me. Behold, God, God is, is my, my Jesus. Jesus. I will trust, trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah oh, is my, my strength, strength and my song. And he is also so is my, become my Jesus. Jesus. Read it. Therefore, with joy, with joy, shall you draw water, to draw water out of the wells, out of, of, the wells Jesus. of Jesus. And in that day, in that day shall you say, "Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Call upon His name! Call upon His Declare name! Declare His doings among the people. Make mention that His name is exalted. Hallelujah! Sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou in heaven and in Zion, for great, for great is the Holy Lord. One in the, midst of thee. in the midst of thee. Oh, yes. Woo. Hallelujah. The Lord is my Jesus. 
My God, my God, my Hallelujah. God. My God, my God, my God. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, oh give him praise and he'll Hallelujah. heal you. Hallelujah. Give him praise and he'll heal you. Hallelujah. Give him honor and he'll heal you. Shout, shout. Praise. Shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Praise, praise. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, friend. He's so wonderfully real. Just be seated for a moment. Uh, I want to entertain this presence. It's so beautiful. When you glorify His name, it does something for you. It just does something on the inside. And if it's not doing anything for you, you're twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Really. His name is such a sound. We're in a courtroom one day in Indianapolis. There was a deputy sheriff who had been nasty to his wife. And he wanted to take the children they had from her because she took the children to church. And the deputy sheriff had a lot of influence with the judge and the people of the court. And I sat in that gathering that day. We had fears that his influence would get those children. And the judge heard both sides of the case. And I heard the judge say, I am giving the children to this man. But there was a lady taking care of the children over on the side. When he said that, she said, Oh, Jesus! 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 Don't let it happen! And the judge had stepped off of his chair and was leaving the courtroom and he turned around and came up and got on the stand again and turned to the audience and said, I made a mistake. The lady brought me to my senses. I give the children to the woman. She called on his name. She called on his name. Ah. She called on his name. Let me hear you say it. Oh, say it again. It fills this place with song. So beautiful. So beautiful. We were on a plane going to Dallas, Sister Ursh and myself. And that night... It was a beautiful day. The pilot said it's a beautiful day. We're going to have a beautiful flight to Dallas. And uh, while we were on the flight, he had said, fasten your seat belts. It's going to be fine. Beautiful day. Could look out and we could see for miles. You could see cities that you knew were there and looked like they were just a few miles away. But they were some 50 miles away. But you could see them. And then all of a sudden, the plane lurched in midair and started to go down. And she turned to me and said, what's happening? I said, look out the window, Sister Jean. We're going down. She said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to crash. She said, crash? 
I said, yes, you said you wanted to go when I went. You're going to get your wish. This is going to be it. And actually, we, we were gone. We had gone from 35,000 feet to 11,000 feet, and he had nosed that craft so that it wouldn't get out of hand, nosed it toward the earth. And when I told her we were going to crash, she said, Jesus! I mean, she's got a loud voice. She's got one of those heavy voices penetrating, and she said it a second time, Jesus! And that plane smoothed out. The attorney, or the, uh, the pilot said, I don't know what happened to this plane, but whatever happened, it's all right now. But said, we're not going on to Dallas. We're going to stop at Fort Smith. And he said, because we, we don't want to take all you folks to a desk where something went wrong with this plane. Of course, I thought he was thinking about himself, too. He said, we're going to get down at Fort Smith. We got down at Fort Smith, and I went in to uh, charter a plane to take us to Dallas for a meeting that night. Mr. Reagan had called the meeting and asked religious leaders of the country to go there and fight for the battle of prayers put back in school. So it was important for us to be there. Sister said, you going back up in the plane again? I said, we're all right. Nothing's happened. You saved us with calling on Jesus. And the man behind me, he said, can I go with you on your plane? Are you going to Dallas? I said, yes. Can I go with you? I said, yes, you can. He said, I'll pay for it. I said, welcome. <laughs> then he said, will the lady that hollered Jesus go with us? I said, yes. He said, I'll go anywhere with her. Oh, I'll go anywhere with him. Oh, man. I'll go anywhere with him. He's my savior. He's my helper. He's my protection. He's the Lord of everything. Oh, man, let's stand and worship Him in the beauty of holiness, calling on His precious name. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel his wonderful presence. It's joy unspeakable. It's 